All right, hello, hello. I'm Michelle Archibald, and this is I'm Doing My Fucking Best, a mental health podcast for anyone and everyone. So today we're going to talk about the mind-body connection, something that I only recently realized has more of an impact than I thought. So physical and mental health are inextricably linked. So they work off of each other in this kind of cycle. One affects the other. And there's a lot of data and research that shows that poor mental health is a risk factor for poor physical health, and vice versa, that poor physical health is a risk factor for developing poor mental health. So what do we mean by poor physical health? So these are chronic conditions, aka they last for a while, sometimes in your whole lifetime. Um, And these include diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, and stroke. And these occur at higher rates if you suffer from mental illness, especially depression. Cancer has also been linked to poor mental health and vice versa. If you have any of these um, chronic conditions or cancer, it can cause poor mental health as well. So why is this important? Mental illness is the most prevalent disease in the United States, which in turn means that these chronic conditions we just listed above, physical conditions, are high as well, given this connection between physical and mental health. Studies show that approximately one in four adults in the United States will have a mental health disorder diagnosed in this past year, or in this upcoming year, most commonly anxiety or depression, and one in 17 had a serious mental illness such as schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Also, 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental health condition at some point in their lifetime. So this really affects a lot of people. So we can see how this leads to a cycle of poor health, where you have poor mental health leading to poor physical health, poor physical health leading to poor mental health. So it is really important to improve both of these aspects to improve our overall health. And one affects the other. So this episode focuses on improving physical health to help regulate our emotions, decrease stress, reduce anxiety and depression. We use an acronym called PLEASE, which is from a widely used therapy called DBT. So DBT, it stands for Dialectic Behavioral Therapy, and we'll go into that in a later episode. It's very helpful for anyone and everyone, even if you don't have a diagnosed mental health condition. It has helped me immensely with my emotional control and regulation. So what does the PLEASE acronym stand for? So the P stands for physical illness. This also includes the L from illness. I know it's it's a stretch. (laughs) Then the E is for eating balanced. A, avoiding drugs. S, sleep. E, exercise. So let's get into it. So physical illness is pretty self-explanatory. It means giving your body the time it needs to rest and recover, take any medications prescribed by your provider, stay home, take care of yourself, The American work culture is pretty fucked. Um, People are like, well, I went to work with the flu, so I'm awesome. But, like, why? You're not taking care of yourself. You're getting other people sick. And I think it's really important to remember that these companies you work for don't give a fuck about you. So you need to take care of yourself and do what's best for you. Stay, Stay home. Take care of yourself. You're the number one priority. And you have sick days for a reason, so use them. All right, eating balanced. You are what you eat. Studies have shown that well-balanced eating decreases of depression and anxiety. And I'm not talking about diets where you're restricting yourself. You're not eating when you're hungry. We want you to eat when you're hungry. But a well-balanced eating pattern may include fruits, vegetables, proteins, and complex carbs. So what are complex carbs? I like to think of it as the more complex the carbs are, the more it looked like it just got plucked off the field or like harvested. Um, So a lot of grain, seeds, and bread. So an example of that is Dave's Killer Bread instead of white bread. So I don't know if you guys have tried it, but I highly recommend Dave's Killer Bread. It 
is very complex. Um, so eating more complex carbs won't give you the sugar high and crash like simple carbs would or simple sugars. And these are present in like orange juice, juices, sodas, white bread, um, pastas. And sugar acts like a drug. It behaves the same way where you feel really good eating it, but then you feel worse after the crash. In addition, you want to make sure that you eat throughout the day as having too little sugar also negatively affects you. When your sugar drops too low, you can get shaky, anxious, nauseous, you know, hanger. Hanger is a real thing. This happens to me when I'm anxious because I don't feel the normal hunger cues that I normally get when I'm not feeling anxious. So I try to make sure that I eat something every two to three hours, even if it's just something small, to keep my sugar levels balanced. The over and under eating, when it becomes um, extreme, it can fall into disordered eating, such as anorexia, bulimia, which is an entire subject on its own. But I just wanted to touch on it um, because a lot of times they can fall in when you're suffering from other mental illnesses, but they can also occur, occur on their own. Um, so I used to be bulimic when I was growing up. So that means I used to binge eat and then I would make myself throw up afterwards. I noticed that the more anxious I was in general, the more disordered and out of control my eating became. So my anxiety would just tip over from my general life into my eating patterns. So one way that I have learned how to help my anxiety is by eating slowly, stopping when I am 80% full. So I'm using my eating skills to take control of my anxiety uh, and help decrease it. So it kind of has a positive topple over effect from eating into my general life and like emotional regulation. All right, so A, avoiding drugs. So this includes, you know, the typical illicit drugs and alcohol that we learned about in like the D.A.R.E. programs. But there's also some, th some things that you might not have thought about, such as caffeine and over-the-counter medications like Tylenol PM, Benadryl, z you know, things we use to sleep. So with the illicit drugs and alcohol, this is a similar concept to sugar um, with the ups and downs, except uh, much more extreme. So initially, these drugs release the happy chemicals in your brain, but then you start to withdraw when your body doesn't have um, that drug or alcohol anymore. So you experience the low of not having those chemicals that you were just used to. I like to think of it as the higher you, it, the higher the drug makes you feel, um, the lower you're going to fall on the other side. So over-the-counter medications I was talking about, these are common, um, commonly used by people to help them sleep. This can actually depress your mood in the long run if you're taking them all of the time. You can have that, that hangover effect during the morning and feel drowsy, feel more tired. So I actually used to take Benadryl um, most nights when I was having high anxiety because it does kind of reduce the anxiety for me and would help me sleep. But then I would wake up like slow and groggy and it would just kind of like depress me and lead to the cycle. On the flip side, caffeine can mimic anxiety. So it's good to kind of monitor how much caffeine you're taking in or maybe not take it if you're having a pretty tough day with anxiety. So for myself, I have to monitor how much I drink and when I'm drinking it to make sure I'm not aggravating any anxiety that I might be feeling that day. All right, so one drug I wanted to talk about is Adderall because I feel like it's becoming or it's already become the next epidemic. Um, it's prescribed for ADHD, attention deficit disorder, and it works well for people who need it. But if you don't have ADD and take it, it's it's a very, I like to think of it as like low-dose cocaine. It's a stimulant that, quote-unquote, makes people feel their best. 
Um, I've heard people use that before. It just makes you like happy, super excited. You can focus when you're trying to study for school. Um, and it has a withdrawal to it. Uh, so to be completely transparent, I used to use Adderall to study in school and stay up to party when I would um, be going out on weekends. But even at low doses, it would send me into this tailspin of withdrawal for several days afterwards. So my anxiety would just be off the walls. And I would feel like I would need to sleep for days at the same time, despite having so much anxiety. And Adderall, please be careful if you have anxiety or any mental illness, because it can increase your risk for mania and psychosis in people that already have anxiety. Um, so just please, please try to avoid drugs that are not prescribed for you because they can have effects that you don't know about. One concept I find very helpful is harm reduction. So this can apply to many other aspects in life as well, such as your eating skills. But when we think about it in terms of drugs and alcohol, it's a non-judgmental way and healthy attitude to take towards yourself. So say you're sober and then one night you slip up and you have a drink. A lot of times we'll be like, oh fuck, I just messed up, so let me just keep messing up tonight and then call it a wash. But harm reduction says, it's okay, you had a drink, don't drink anymore the rest of the night, and you can look at that as a proud moment and a win, instead of looking at it as, well, I just, I just messed up pretty bad. So harm reduction will help you minimize the harm, the potential harm that you're doing to yourself. So I like this. You know, if I ever like slipped up and took Adderall, I would just be like, okay, I messed up, but I don't have to take more and I don't have to take it again if I don't want to. Um, and with regards to drinking, you know, if you're, if you're not sober, like you think you can control your drinking, but you have a bad night, it's the same thing where it's like, okay, just have one or two and don't feel bad about it. Okay, so for sleep. So this was very interesting. Um, being awake for 24 hours is the equivalent mindset of having a blood alcohol content of 0.1%. So 0.08% is the limit. So basically, the less sleep you get, the drunker you feel. So this highlights how important sleep is for mental health and emotional regulation. Sometimes when my anxiety and emotions are high, I like to call myself like a toddler who needs a nap. So I just take one, even just like a 20 minute power nap can help reset yourself and your emotions. I know a lot of people have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, and this can be very frustrating when that happens. You know, you keep looking at the clock and you're like, oh, if I fell asleep now, I'd only have six hours of sleep and I'm not asleep now, and it just kind of like keeps you up. So I just want to talk about some tips that might help. If you try to keep the same routine every night, it can kind of train your body into to falling asleep at the same time. Um, so one important thing is to start winding down a couple hours before you want to fall asleep. So this will also help train your body to, to start kind of getting into sleep mode. So some tips, don't use your phone or screens in bed or go on social media. Try reading a book, especially a boring book. This can kind of help you, your body just kind of turn off. Um, background white noises, there's machines for it. If you don't have a machine, you can just turn your fan or air conditioning on. Um, there's a lot of meditation videos for sleep. Um, I've never tried sleep hypnosis, and I don't know if that would work on a YouTube video, but they have a lot of those or just, like, people lulling you into a sleep. One thing that I do every night, I watch something called an ASMR video. ASMR stands for Autonomic Sensory Meridian Response. Don't ask me what that means. All I know is it, it helps me uh, fall asleep, and I highly recommend checking it out. Um, 
and I recommend the channel Gentle Whispering on YouTube. The girl who does it, Maria, is just amazing, and she's one I listen to every night. Okay, E for exercise. So exercise releases endorphins, serotonin, and dopamine. So basically all the feel-good chemicals in your body. And as Elle Woods and Legally Blonde so eloquently stated, exercise gives you endorphins, endorphins make you happy. Even just walking 15 to 20 minutes a day can make a big difference in how you're feeling. It also helps regulate your sleep because you're getting rid of extra energy. And in my case, I feel like it really helps get rid of my nervous and anxious energy and helps my body restabilize. It's also a good way to meet people through exercise because you can join groups like running groups or sports teams. I know for me, hockey has been huge in my mental health. Um, I've met so many important people in my life there. So I'm exercising with people I love. Um, And it also keeps me out of the bars. You know, on a Saturday night, I'll go play hockey instead of in the past, I would go out and just drink a lot. So I like to think when you get stuck in your head, move your body. Alright, so hopefully this highlights some ways in your life that you can help regulate your mental health through some new habits or tweaking some some habits that you already have. And I hope that learning about the mind-body connection can help you understand your body better because I know it really helped me and how you can use it to improve your emotional regulation and overall health. Next episode, I think it's pretty fitting in our current like news environment today. It's going to discuss the violent stigma and myths associated with mental illness. And for your quote of the day, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Thanks for listening and have a good one.